Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Um, We are in a series, and it is called Mama Knows Best. All right, Mama Knows Best. And we have been talking about how moms have some really good advice a lot of times. You know, I don't know if your mom had really good advice, but my mom did. And one of the advice that my mom would say to me, and maybe you said this too, was say your prayers. Not you wascally wabbit. You might remember Looney Tunes. Hopefully it's making a comeback now. But she would say, say your prayers. She would always remind you, have you said your prayers before meal? Have you prayed when you lay down at night to go to bed? Have you prayed? And she would challenge me to pray, 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 pray. And I hope maybe your mom did too. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, I want to tell you this little story. I don't know if you saw on the news this week, but in South Carolina about a week, uh, about a week or so ago, a guy was in basic training down at Fort Jackson in South Carolina for the Army, and something kind of, kind of broke in him. He just really had a difficult time. And so he went AWOL, left basic training, got a hold of a rifle, and then he was trying to get away as quickly as he could, and he saw a school bus. He goes in, he gets on the school bus, and he points the rifle at the driver, and then he looks, and the bus is about half full of kids. Kindergartners, elementary age students, 18 kids and one bus driver. 19 people were on that bus, and so he's panicking. He's saying, drive me to the next town, because he was trying to get out of there as quick as he could, and he's got the rifle on him. And then, because all the kids were spread out, he pointed the rifle at the kids and said, all right, all you kids, move up. So he wanted them all in one group so he could keep an eye on them and the driver at the same time. The driver, he, he stayed cool and calm. He got the kids all up front. And as they were sitting there, he's got the rifle on them. The kids, especially the kindergartners, guess what they started doing? Asking questions. They were like, are you going to hurt our bus driver? And he was like, no, no, I'm not going to hurt him. And he said, are you going to hurt us? Are you going to shoot us? And he's like, no, I'm not. And he said, are you a soldier? And he didn't know how to answer that because of what his situation was. And they just kept asking question after question until finally he gave up. He said, all right, y'all stop. Get off the bus. He, he got the kids and the driver off, and he took the bus on. Anyway, he got caught. But the funny thing to me was, man, I could relate. I could relate. A four and a five, a five-year-old's questions are worse than any gun. And, you know, I mean, it's like, and it's fully automatic, too. It, it's not semi-automatic. You know, it's like they pull the trigger, and it's just question, you know, just nonstop. And I, I can relate, man. He's like, I quit. I give up. I, I, I want to go back in the Army. You know, that's probably what he's thinking. He'd rather have drill instructors yelling at him, you know, than, than going having these kids ask him questions. But I love that and it, because it's so true. And it reminded me of a story from Scripture, from the Gospels, that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. If you got your Bibles, you want to turn and follow along, you can turn there first, Luke chapter 18. We'll have Scripture on the screen, as you can see right there. Uh, as well, but we are going to look at this story called The Persistent Widow. The Persistent Widow. Beginning of verse 1, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, 
Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. A lot like what a group of kindergartners on a bus would do to a guy with a, with a rifle, right? He's like, look, I don't care about people. I don't fear God. But I am tired of this woman bugging the life out of me. That's what he's saying. Jesus tells this story. I am tired of it. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So Jesus tells this story, and Sherry and I were talking about this, and I, I'd felt this tension before. When I think about this story, you know, growing up, I used to, like, be bothered by it because, honestly, I didn't pay a lot of attention. And I heard Jesus tell this story about this unjust guy, and it's like, if you bug him, he'll give you what you want. And I sort of missed the point at times and thought, okay, is that the way God is? But God's not supposed to be unjust. But then if you look deeper, it says what? If the unjust judge gives in because the person's consistently asking over and over and over again, how much more will our good God give us what we want when we ask him with a sincere heart? So God wants to hear your prayers and my prayers. Do you know that? Do you know that? Some people fall all along the spectrum. Some people pray all the time. And they just pray about everything, and it's not an issue for them. And some people are on the far other side, and they don't even pray at all hardly. And they fall all in the middle, and they think, well, maybe this is working. Maybe I'm just talking to the ceiling. But God wants to hear your prayers. And from that passage right there, there's three powerful lessons about prayer. The first one is this. Pray persistently. Pray persistently. Jesus told his disciples this story so that they would what? Pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. God wants you to keep on praying. Do you hear that? God wants you to keep on praying. Not just your neighbor who's got it all together. Not just your spouse who, well, that's what she does or that's what he does. He wants all of us who are his disciples to pray and never give up. When I was a kid... I was raised in a household that uh, was Carolina Tar Heel fans. Anybody else relate to that? Wow, man, okay. I mean, I'm not really a big fan anymore, but man, that's just quiet. Chirp, chirp. But the arch rival at that time, that school in Durham wasn't even really a big deal back then. When I was a kid, that's how old I am. But the big rival was NC State, right? And I was really, really serious about this guy named Jim Valvano. Anybody remember him? He was a coach for NC State. I didn't understand. I wasn't old enough. I was a really, really little kid. I wasn't old enough to understand that he was the, the enemy, right? I just thought he was cool. I remember when they closed down Carmichael Gym, the, uh, Carolina's uh, old gym, and they built the new Dean Smith Center. That, that sounds really old because that's like 40 years old or something like that now. 
But he, like, runs on the court, grabs a basketball, and lays the ball up so he can say he made the last shot at Carmichael at Carolina's gym. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so anytime my sister, who was in high school, anytime they had a basketball game, I would want to go to the basketball game, and I want to know, is Jim Valvano going to be there? But the reason I tell you all that is this. He fought a battle with cancer, and before he passed on, he gave a speech on the ESPYs, and he said that phrase that most of you have heard, but you may not have known it was Jim Valvano. He said, never give up. Don't ever give up. And just from somebody who was fighting that battle, it would just rang true. And so Jesus tells us, don't ever give up praying. When it seems like all hope is lost, keep on praying. Keep your intensity and your passion, if it's important to you, if it's important to God. If it's important to you, then it's important to God. And think about that persistent widow when you're praying. Not that you have to change God's mind because he's some wicked God like that judge in that story. But he wants you to ask. So knock, 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 knock. Ask over and over again. God, it's me again. It's me again. This is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I want to see. God, help me know what you are doing. Then pray passionately. Look here, the next, next one. Pray passionately. God can handle your heart. I think sometimes we forget that God knows everything. And so there's nothing to hide from God, right? You couldn't do it if you wanted to. So God can handle your emotions. He can handle your fears. He can handle your worries. He can handle everything that you say. Anything that you have got on your anger, your frustration, He can handle it, guys. So pray passionately. Don't act like you have to come in. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, one second. I will tell y'all something, and I don't want y'all to think that I'm a total weirdo. You already probably knew that, but I don't want to confirm it. But talking about prayer and this big faith-filled thing that we're going to do in just a few minutes with this offering... The devil has been angry this week, and he's been trying to do everything he can, little things to get in our path and stop us. God does not, or Satan does not want you to understand prayer. He does not want you to understand prayer. He does not want you to know that you have an advocate for the, between you and the Father. You have the Holy Spirit that intercedes when you don't have the words to say. He does not want you to know that because that shakes up his so-called crappy little kingdom. And it tears it up and flips it upside down and destroys it because it's already been defeated. And we just believe the lie that he's still got power. God is in control. So pray passionately. If it's important to you, it's important to him. I think about the story in 1 Samuel where Hannah's mother, who had not had any children at that time, Samuel had not been born. She went to the temple and she was praying. And it says that her lips were moving but there was no sound coming out, and Eli was there, and he was watching her, and he thought that she was drunk. Now, you might just say, because she was talking to herself, but a lot of people talk to themselves, right? We all get, you know, now with Bluetooth in people's ears all the time, they're always talking to themselves. You think they're talking to you, right? And you, you ever catch yourself at the store? But he's watching her. Her lips are moving, but he's not hearing any sound. But it says that he thought she was drunk. I've never thought, you know, somebody whose lips are just quietly moving, I never thought, oh, that person's drunk. Have you? I believe that this woman was probably praying like this. 
Her lips were moving. Nothing was coming out. No sound was coming out. But I believe that she was just intense because she was praying for a baby that she thought was never going to come. But God heard her prayer and he gave her a son. And so I'm saying pray passionately. Are you passionate about your prayers? Are you praying for what matters? Because if you're praying for what matters, you will be passionate and your passion won't be held back. Pray purposefully. So pray persistently, passionately, pray purposefully. When you have a specific burden on your heart or a person on your heart, keep praying about it. Pray about that purpose and for that purpose. Sometimes we hear ideas from Scripture, and like we talked about recently, about not taking things out of context. Sometimes we take the teaching about where Jesus said, don't pray repetitively like the Pharisees. And we think, oh gosh, I can't repeat the same prayer. I can't ask for the same thing. That's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not what Jesus was talking about, Facebook. He wasn't talking about not praying about the same thing. He wants us to pray and never give up. But here's what he means. Don't just have mindless repetition in prayer. That's what Jesus was talking about. But God does want to hear our heartfelt, consistent pleas, y'all. He wants to hear what's really weighing us down. He wants us, we, t- we give it to him, and then we take that burden back on. He wants us to give it back another time. And then when we take it back on, he wants us to give it back another time. Trust that he is able, and trust that he wants to hear your prayer. And trust that he is working, y'all. He's working to answer your prayer. But I don't know if y'all are like me. And sometimes I struggle when I'm praying. Have you ever started praying and then your mind is like, squirrel? You know, you're like, Lord, you know, help me talk to my friend, you know, that I keep seeing at the grocery store every week. And you're like, oh, groceries. Yeah, I need to get a car, uh, gallon of milk. Yeah, some Metamucil. Um, you know, I, I need to get... You just get off on these tangents, right? It's so easy to be distracted, and you start to pray, and you get off. And like Jesus experienced in the garden when he goes back, and his disciples knew that it was close to the time. They may not have understood everything, but he said, you couldn't even stay awake for one hour and pray? You know, we're not the only ones who struggle with that. So we struggle with the distraction and lack of focus when we pray. And some of you may have heard, and I've shared this many times, and I've by, by no means made this up. You've probably heard it for years but there's an acrostic that I've liked to use many times before when I'm praying, and it's ACTS, A-C-T-S, like the book of the Bible, A-C-T-S. And it stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And so you can use that to like guide your prayers. You spend time adoring God or praising God. You spend time confessing your sin and things that are on your heart and your, your guilt and your shame and the, the doubts and the fears and the worries. Then you thank God for everything he's done, everything he's going to do. And then you, that big word, supplication, you ask God to do whatever you're asking him to do. That's what you do. So pray in that order. Praise him first. But I've got a different one today that I think might even stick in your brain even more. And it's called pray. Anybody remember that? Pray. We're talking about prayer, so we want to pray. And what that stands for is this. Praise, so same, kind of like adoration, but praise, repent, ask, and then yield. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. So use that to kind of kind of keep your prayers in order so that way you can keep your mind focused and you know what to say. You say, okay, I pray about this for a little bit, then I pray about this, then I pray about the next, I pray about ask, and then I pray about yield. 
It basically has the same prayer prompts as Acts, but it's made in another memorable format that might stick in your brain a little bit better. So the first one, what you do is this. You praise. You, you start off praising God. Start off with thanking God for who he is. Do you all know something? If God never did another thing for you, he's still worthy of praise just because of who he is. If he never did another thing for you, he is worthy of praise just because of who he is. He is a holy, all right, almighty, righteous God who is perfect and knows all and sees all and created everything that we have and everything that we are. So praise him first when you come into his presence and you, you're asking him to do these things. Praise him with everything that you've got for his creation, for what he's done in your life, for, for your church family, for your friends. Praise Him for every little thing, for the breath that you have in your lungs. Stop and take a breath and say, thank you, Jesus, I've got breath in my lungs. If you're having trouble figuring out things to say and to thank God for, then spend time reading the book of Psalms, and you can go through, and there's a lot of just prayers of praise right there in Psalms. And here's why this is important, folks. This isn't just to give you some little routine. This is important. Here's why it's important. Because bitterness and ungratefulness make us see everything negatively. You ever notice that? Bitterness and ungratefulness make us see everything negatively. You can be having a, a bad day, and if you get down and you only start thinking negatively, when good things start to happen, then you still find fault with those things. Am I right? You know, you're walking along, your day's been junk, and then all of a sudden you see a dollar on the sidewalk. You're like, yes! But I wish it was five. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? You know, I really needed five dollars. What's a dollar get me anymore, you know? I mean, gas is $8,000 a gallon, if you can find it, right? You know, that was two weeks ago now, I guess, or whatever. But we know that we have a lot to be thankful for. And when we have a bitter and an ungrateful heart, it makes us see everything negatively. But here's the truth. Gratitude clears our minds and helps us see things clearly. Gratitude clears our minds and helps us every, see everything clearly. That's what you start off praising and thanking God for. And then you repent. You repent. Now, this is not a lot of fun. This is not a lot of fun. But you repent. This is a part of drawing near to God. If you want to get close to God, you've got to stop walking away from him. Do you all hear that? If you want to get close to God, you've got to stop, stop walking away from him. You know, it's like, you know, my kids have done it. I did it my mom, and, you know, my mom would be telling me something. I'm trying to get out of the door, and I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 what, what? And I'm just getting farther and farther away so I can use the excuse that what? I didn't hear her. And we do that with God. We're like, God, I want you to fix my life. But we're like, okay, God, you stay over there. I'm going to go over here for a little bit and hang out. And we do that. And so we've got to repent. Repent just simply means, in its simplest form, it means turning around and turning back to God. It means, it's the word, Greek word metanoia. It means a change in your mind that leads to a change in your action. You realize you're wrong and you start doing different things. So you pray, you repent. You praise God, you repent. You draw near to him. If you are pointed in the wrong direction, you never hit your target, will you? If you're pointed in the wrong direction, you never hit your target. If you're praying but you're not repenting, then you're not going to be able to get, accomplish what you want to accomplish. So you ask God in repentance to transform you and change you from the inside out. 
and you thank him for his forgiveness and his grace that lets you turn around and come back. You see, here's something that's beautiful. If you are a Christian, if you have obeyed the gospel, then you know what? You are not kicked out every time you screw up. But you continually, like I do, you get up and you walk away from God when you really just need to turn around and he's there waiting. He's the father who's waiting for the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. He hasn't kicked you out. You're not unloved. He just wants you to repent and get your heart and your mind focused back on where it needs to be. And so many times we don't pray because we think, well, I cussed out the guy at Walmart and so therefore I'm not a Christian anymore. Don't act like y'all ain't above it. But we don't pray because we think, oh man, I messed up so bad and my father, my father doesn't want to hear from me. But that's a lie. And I know I look like a crazy person, but man, it hits me right here because I struggle with it. I struggle with it. God wants to hear you, so repent and turn back to him and get your heart focused on him. And then you ask. Ask God for what's on your heart. After you've praised him for a while, after you've repented, ask him for what's on your heart. He wants to hear from you. You're not bothering our father. He is not like us where he gets only a little bit of bandwidth for him to be able to think about stuff and he can't handle any more. He doesn't think things are too small or too big. He's God. He wants to hear it all. Don't keep, you can't hide it anyway. Like we said, he wants to hear it all. So offer it up to him. I'm an imperfect father. And all my kids said, amen. <laughs> I am an imperfect father. And I will be honest. I, if, if nothing else, I'm honest. I get annoyed with my kids sometimes when they ask questions. I do. But you know what I don't get annoyed with? When one of my children wants to really talk and engage with me. You know, we, all kids go through that phase where they just talk about all kinds of things. And, and we sometimes get frustrated. But when your child, no matter how old or, or small they are, when they come and they want to really talk to you about something real, man, I am locked in, aren't you? And me being an imperfect father, just imagine how much God, our Father, who is perfect, wants to hear every single thing that's on your mind and your heart. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get frustrated. He wants to hear exactly what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Ask Him. God is a perfect father, and he never gets tired of hearing from you. So ask big, ask God-sized prayers about the kingdom, about your personal life. Ask everything. Today, we are asking a big thing. We've set this goal after a lot of prayer of praying that we can gather together a, a $20,000 offering to go towards uh, remodeling or buying or purchasing a building. And it's a big goal it's a God-sized goal, but I believe that God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. It says in Ephesians 3, verse 20, Now him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. If that's true, our God is able, y'all. If that's true, and I believe it's true, our God is able. And then you ask the why. Yield. 
you praise, you repent. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I've been vaccinated. Don't worry. <coughs> I'm telling you, the devil's trying to get y'all thinking about COVID instead of, you know, what we're talking about here. I'm I'm good. I've had it before. I'm I'm vaccinated. I'm good. Allergies. Yield. Here's where things really gain momentum in your prayer life. If you've praised, if you've repented, if you've asked, when you really start to yield to God, that's when things really take off in your prayer life. Ask God to help you yield to his will. And that's one of the hardest things in the world because I like what I like. You like what you like. You want to do what you want to do. And we have a hard time yielding our will to God. We always, we struggle. We say, God, let it be your will. But really what we're thinking is my will just with a little bit of God over it. Am I right? It's my will, but just God bless it. Take my mess and bless it. But we need to trust God that we need to yield to his will. Jesus prayed in the garden, as we mentioned earlier. He asked for what he wanted. He asked for what he wanted, didn't he? He said, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die in this painful way. But he said what? Not my will, but your will be done, Father. He prayed that, and he meant it, and he yielded his will. Jesus prayed that. And we can be pretty selfish when we pray sometimes, can't we? Um, One time when I was in college, uh, not when I was at East Carolina, but when I was at Roanoke Bible College, which is now Mid-Atlantic Christian University, I was serious about my studies, but I just got busy. It was my senior year. I had senioritis, and I completely forgot about a test. I mean, didn't even think about it. Walked into class early in the morning. I'm just bebopping in. I'm like, everybody's in there quiet, and usually people are hanging out and talking. I'm like, man, what's going on with y'all? And I was trying to get people to laugh and just, hey, what's up? You know, and just acting stupid, acting the fool. And I was trying to get them to laugh, and then I'm like, what are y'all so serious for? It's like, we're studying for the test. I was like, what test? And it was like a big unit test, like over several chapters and books of the Bible. And I was like, uh-oh. And so I sit down at my desk, and I get my notes out, and I start praying. I'm like, dear Lord, forgive me for being stupid, and protect me from my dummy self, and help me to pass this test I have not studied for. I mean, I hadn't studied none. I just completely forgot about it. And you know what? I prayed, and I prayed, and prayed. I sat down, I took the test, and I got the paper back, and guess what? I failed miserably. Like a 40. I mean, just like golf score. I mean, just Tiger Woods. Bam! I mean... God will not necessarily bless our selfish prayers when we haven't put in the work, when we haven't had our heart right. I mean, you know, you apply it to what you're going through. But God will not just bless us when we don't put ourselves in a position to be blessed. So yield your will, yield your spirit to his, and that's when you'll really start to gain traction in your prayer life. He can truly bless you when you put yourself in that position to receive his blessing and his hand of guidance. Our prayer life explodes as our will lines up with God's will. And if you want to have a life that's full of powerful prayers, then you've got to get your will in line with God's will. Kingdom things will happen. There's an Old Testament story that's often overlooked that I love, and I like to draw our minds back to Movement Church here every, every couple of years. And it teaches the same lesson about God and about prayer as that persistent widow story when we're praying for His will and His kingdom to prevail. 
And it says in 2 Kings chapter 13, Elisha is down near the end of his life. He's the prophet that followed up Elijah. Remember him on, the, on Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Elisha comes along, and he has a powerful ministry too. He's near the end of his life, and the king of Israel uh, is coming to him because the Arameans, the Syrians, are coming in, and they're just whipping up on the Israelites. They're beating them left and right. They're attacking in their own country. And so he is terrified. This man of God is about to die, and he's like, uh-oh. And so what he says in verse 14 is this. Now, when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. He's saying the army is in a shambles. We are getting our butts handed to us. We cannot compete. We are going down. That's what he's saying. Verse 15, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows, and then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek until you have made an end of them. And he said, take the arrows, the ones he had left, and he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck them three times and stopped. So he takes the arrows in his hands and he's like, tap, tap, tap. And he stops. The man of God, verse 19, was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it but now you will strike down Syria only three times and I think about that persistent widow who she kept on and she kept on asking that unrighteous judge and Jesus said don't give up keep praying understand keep asking and I believe that that story really kind of connects well because what he's saying is he's saying you want God to be in the battle you want God to win this battle for you? You want God to show up in a real way? And then when you ask, you're kind of like, tap, tap, tap. What did Elisha say? He said, you should have been beating the fool out of them arrows. I mean, you should have been breaking them in half. Bang, 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 bang. I mean, just going crazy. And y'all are looking at me like I'm insane. And that's all right. But that's the intensity that you and I need to pray if we believe that God is a God-answering prayer, answering God. We need to pray with that passion and that zeal because if God's in it, there's no way that it won't happen if it's His will. There's no way, and God will show up. And so when we ask, let's not ask, oh, yeah, thank you, please, Lord, one, two, three. Let's ask, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's ask, believing that God is able. When you're praying and you're doing your best to pray in God's will for His glory, do you believe that He will act? When you're praying those things, do you believe He'll act? Perhaps we don't believe that God can really answer our prayers, if we're being honest. Maybe just maybe we don't believe that He's real and He's going to answer. Perhaps we don't believe that He's able and so simply maybe we're going through the motions and we're mouthing the words, but we, do we truly believe that God will answer? It's time for the church 
to pray with persistence, passion, and purpose to see his kingdom come, y'all. It's time for the church to pray with persistence, passion, and purpose to see his kingdom come. I want you to do something with me for just a second. I want you to take a look around. Look around in front of you, beside you, behind you, whatever you need to do. Do you know that there's not a person in this room that is not here because somebody prayed? I'm serious. There is not a single person in this room, and this is a full room, and there's people watching online, the people that are watching online are counted in that too. There is not a person in this room or watching today that is not here today because somebody prayed for them. Do you know that over 40 years ago, three preachers gathered together around Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and sat around a kitchen table? You know what they did? They prayed. And they prayed and they said, Lord, help us to plant more churches. And the organization that they started out of that prayer time is one of the main organizations that got Movement Church planted over three and a half years ago. Forty years plus ago, they gathered around a kitchen table and prayed. And you know what was really cool in our first year, maybe about a year and a half in? One of those men came up to Movement one Sunday and was there with us standing in at Hodgerett Elementary School beside his grandson that guess where his grandson attended when he lived in the area? Movement Church. So 40 plus years ago, they prayed about planting churches. And through that faithfulness, God planted a church that his grandson was able to go to 40 plus years later. That is faith, y'all. And that is God showing up in mighty and powerful ways. Six years ago, a couple prayed about whether it was time to go and plant a church in Nightdale, North Carolina, and they were terrified and scared to death, but a lot of other people were praying, and they finally decided to get out of the boat and come do it. My wife and I came, and we planted this church with the help of some amazing people. A couple of the early ones are right here today. I wouldn't plan on saying this, but Mac and Diane, uh, we went to college with them. I'm not as old as Mac. (laughs) 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 Thank you, thank you. Um, But we were praying. We'd moved up in faith, and our first week, At the church where we were doing our residency to learn more about church planning, we didn't know a single soul. And we had lost track with Mac and Diane. You know, I guess maybe we had them on Facebook or something. We hadn't seen them in, gosh, almost 20 years. And we're sitting there in this large church, and it was after church, and there was, you know, a thousand people milling around in this big foyer. And we look across the foyer, and guess who we see after 20 years? Mac and Diane. And we get together and we see them and it's like, oh, it's so good to just kind of catch up. And we go out to lunch and we spend some time together talking and praying. And Sherry and I start praying. We're like, I want to ask Mac and Diane if they would be a part of our launch team. Let's pray about it. So we started praying. And then Mac comes up to me before I get a chance to talk to him. And he says, hey, Bobby, we've been praying. And we were wondering, is there a place for us to be on the launch team? And I was like, funny you should ask. (laughs) And so I never even got to really officially ask him. And then a few months go by, and they're super involved, and they're helping out get the launch team going. And uh, Sherry and I started praying. We're like, you know, let's pray about seeing if Matt can work with the church on a part-time basis. And so we start praying about it, and then Matt comes up to me. He's like, hey, Bobby, I've been praying. I've been wondering, is there a place for me to work with the church? And I said, funny you should ask. 
And, and, and the rest is history. Because God shows up when people pray, and when people pray and trust Him, He does amazing things. He puts things together that we could never, ever work or even dream of. And five years ago, a couple prayed about what to give to this new church, movement church, that had just gotten their bank account, just gotten their name officially with the state, and they hadn't even started meeting in Nightdale yet. And this couple had suffered so much financially. They had had horrible things happen to them. They, had had, uh, they were farmers, and they had a combine burn up in the field, which is a few hundred thousand dollars. Their house had black mold in it, and it was inhabitable, and it wouldn't be covered by insurance. And one thing after another, well, they finally get to sell a little bit of property, and they made some money. And I guarantee you the thought might have crossed my mind, I need to hold on to that money and hoard it because I've lost money left and right. But you know what they did? One of the first things they did, they came up, they visited us, they wrote a check. They said, we want to give a check for this new church, for the new bank account that you just got started. We opened it up, and it was $15,000. In the middle of just losing everything, they gave when it hurt because they knew that God was able and God would show up and he has blessed them and he has blessed this church and you and I are here because people have trusted God and called God and they didn't just go tap, tap, tap. They said tap, 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 tap. When they prayed because they believed that God is able because prayer changes things. So I'm going to have the band come up. <laughs> we need faith like a little child, right? We have this time set aside, and we've got a little basket over here, and I know many of you uh, give online, but we want to give you an opportunity to do a couple things today. We're going to spend a few moments praying, excuse me, we're going to spend a few moments praying, and we've been asking you to pray for a few weeks just about what God is going to lead you to give, because so many people prayed and gave for us to have our church family here today and man lives are being changed but more than ever it's time for us to take another step a little farther out into the water where we cannot see where the, the you know where god's hand's going to rise up to meet us but we know he will and so we want you to take a few moments and pray and when you're ready we want you to place your your offering for our 17 17 stuff challenge offering right here in this basket if you're giving a cash or a check make sure you write on there you know it's for movement 17 stuff but we also have scattered around the room on every other seat or so and at the tables these little forms about our regular giving where we know that there's needs that we need to meet for the ministry that we're doing but we also want to be completely self-supporting so that we can help plant more and more churches so more and more people can come to know Jesus and we want to step up and we want to be the mature body that we need to be. And so we ask you to also consider praying over that and filling in what you're able to give on a weekly or a monthly basis to help this church move forward and win as many people to Jesus. And just simply fold that up. You can place that in here as well. You can fill out those forms and you can give online as well. You can give at movementchristianchurch.com slash give. Go to the give page or on our church app, go to the give page as well on that. But here's what I'm believing and asking. Is that God has done some amazing things to get us to where we are. And he just wants us to step out in faith and not just go tap, tap, tap. But to go tap, 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 tap. God, what will you do through us and in us? 
let's see what he'll do today. So take a few moments and pray. And when you're ready, if you're giving here in person, you can come and drop that in here in a little bit. And we'll spend some time celebrating Jesus today and sing praises to him. So let's spend time praying together. forms we have some by the communion table but we also want to take a moment let's pray here together out loud father we believe and we trust that you have been with us before we ever knew that this church was going to be in existence and we've seen people give their lives to jesus we've seen marriages restored and people's hearts and minds healed people who found love and grace when they did not know it was available God, we want to see more and more people come to know Jesus because we trust you, God, that you are in the midst of everything we're doing, Father. We love you, Father, and we just pray that you would just give us the courage to follow you even when it's difficult. God, help us to just bang those arrows on the ground knowing that you're going to show up. You're going to see us through. And God, we just pray for the miraculous to happen in your name, for your glory and your honor. God, you are good, and we are a church of people who do the 17% stuff that seems crazy to all the other spies. But God, we know that you are the God who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And so God, we bang those arrows on the ground knowing that you are able and you are God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.